Well, it is good to be worshiping with you this morning. And as you know, I'm encouraged uh, I'm on the chapel calendar uh, today to speak. And I'm encouraged that you still showed up anyway. So thank you for that. What a blessing it is uh, to me that you showed up this morning. Um, but one thing that uh, we've been working on very hard on this concert, and my wife says I don't keep surprises very well, but I think I've done all right with this one. So uh, will you please give a warm welcome this morning to Lisa and Michael Gunger. Well, thanks. I know you have a long, they have a very long day. As I was looking at the tour rider, I really started to understand just how difficult touring is. And you now have a little girl. Is that right? And she's how old? She's three. And she's, yeah. what is her name? Her name is Amelie. Uh, Amelie. Okay. Well, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Uh, well, um, we always, it's important for me to have uh, young couples like yourself in the faith to share a little bit about your journey. Tell us how you met, something that we might not know about you, how that happened. And uh, just tell us a little bit about your journey together. Do you want to tell the story? You're probably better at, at this kind of story than I am. <laughs> the women expound. <laughs> yeah. We um, met at school. <laughs> well, I mean, we met, we met at a university uh, when we were, yeah, freshmen in college. But, his, but it was kind of crazy. I met his best friend in Budapest, Hungary. I was in Budapest for a month. And with his best friend there... And it was kind of weird because I remember his friend uh, crying one day because he got a letter from his best friend, Michael, saying that he was moving away. They both lived in Wisconsin. And I thought it was really funny that this guy was, you know, crying. I mean, it was funny and sweet. (laughs) I'm cold-hearted sometimes. Um, But this guy was also um, super crazy. He was super crazy. And, you know, like crazy eyes. And I think, like, <laughs> was into some pretty weird stuff. So I always try to stay away from him. So we come to this university, and he's so excited to introduce me to Michael uh, because I had done some music while we were over there in Hungary. And Michael did music, so he thought it would be really cool to introduce us. Um, but I was scared of him. So I never would do anything with them. And they, I would always see them on campus, and they'd be like, hey, you want to get pancakes? And I was like, no. <laughs> do not want to hang out with you ever, ever, really. So I actually kind of sneaked on to a, a different almost date, maybe. Like a different guy had asked her to coffee. <laughs> like my neighbor in the, in the dorm. Um, and so I just kind of like got in there somehow. Um, I was like, "Can I tag along with you guys?" <laughs> I, don't know. And I hope I you're just... taking notes. Is are you guys taking notes on how to do this? This sounds good. Uh, and then it was like through the night, like we just started talking, and the other guy was like, "Oh well, all right." And then he turned to us, whoever else was there, uh, and we just hit it off from the beginning. But then I lost her. Um, well, I never like got her number because I was not a, I was not savvy, um, in the in the dating ways. So, and and that and then there we, we didn't have like Facebook or anything. So it was like there's no way of finding her. So I, I just 
kept going to like chapel looking for her because we had chapel at our college. Kind of creepy. Kind of <laughs> kinda creepy. creepy. I was kind like, of like. <laughs> I'm sure no one uh, does that here. Uh, but no, no that, nobody that's here. Of story, course. That's go ahead. Anyway, so then I saw her. I finally saw her one chapel and was like, yeah. But I just couldn't get up the. I just I wasn't savvy. I just kept like walking by her, trying to like almost talk to her, but then she'd be talking to somebody else, and I didn't want to be. I had already been a little like moving in on the coffee date, and I didn't want to be a creeper. <laughs> but anyway, I finally figured out something I could say. Oh, hey, what's going on? <laughs> and I, I succeeded. I eventually triumphed, as All you can right. see. Congratulations. Wow, what a great story. Thank you. <laughs> now, uh, tell us a little bit of what it's like. So uh, my wife and I, Edie, have been married for 15 years, and... Uh, we can't even go to the grocery store together uh, without it causing serious marital uh, issues. Um, uh, to me, anything that has smart balance in the title, what's the point, honestly? Why even buy it? Uh, but she, she, that's the way she goes. So we have those challenges. But, so I'm sure you have normal marital challenges, but you're both artists, both very, very gifted and talented. Tell us the, the beauty in that, and tell us maybe some of the challenges that come with that. Well, yeah, we feel... We feel really lucky to be able to do this together. Uh, we know so many bands and couples who, you know, one has to leave the other. Or they don't get to see their family for a long time. Yeah, especially we get, we get to bring our daughter with us. And um, I love being able to share this great passion of my life with the person I love most. Like, it's just so, it's so incredible. Um, but, yeah, like, when we first started writing songs together, well, we, we used to not write songs together, uh, Michael would write worship songs, and I didn't. I wrote, like, these other weird songs. And so I would try so hard to write worship songs. And they were the worst ever. They were just so bad. And so I would come to Michael, like, hey, how's this one? You know, like, I lift my hands to G-, You know, like, I all these super trite, just cliches all over the place because I didn't know what to say. And, uh, oh, man, he would just shoot them down. And, uh, and not, you know, not like, not like real kindly, like, hey, baby, hey, baby, you should try again. Just like, no, that's terrible. You know, you're like, so, uh, so cause some problems. But we, um, you know, we had to learn to not be, when you're both creative we, people. We had to learn. We had to learn. I had to learn. <laughs> When you're, when you're both creative people, to not be married to your ideas or just, uh, you know, artists in general, it's really easy to put your art out there and it's just, it's your heart. You're so attached to this thing and this thing you're writing and this thing you're creating. And so I had uh, to learn to not, not to be offended or not be hurt when it's not a, you know, it's not a good idea or, you know, because you could spend a long time trying to uh, nurse a woman's emotions that's <laughs> kind of weird so yeah yeah I, I love that I get to most most musicians that I know that as, if you have families you have to leave them for long periods of time and uh, touring is hard enough leaving your friends and everybody that you, you know your home for months at a time yet alone like the people that you love most so I'm I feel really blessed and uh, thankful that I get to travel with my home you know like that Lisa and Amelie get to come with me and um, yeah there are certainly 
you know, and, and even kind of as the leader of the collective, there are times, you know, I mean, we do things together, but there are times when I'll step as the leader and having wife in the room when I'm acting as collective leader or whatever, there are, there are things that get more c- complex. Uh, Why didn't you hug me when you said that? <laughs> yeah. Play the part right. <laughs> you know, it's like, you can't, you can't, you gotta be more nuanced and gentle sometimes, uh, which I'm not always great at. But, um, but yes, the, the overall benefits of it to me far, you know, surpass the, the complexities and, and uh, yeah. trouble of it. Well, uh, we know a lot of your music, and uh, you're a lot of, you've written a lot with other go- with gospel artists, I know, um, and things of that nature. Tell us what's unique about about this album. What, what would you like us to know? What would you like your fans to know, and those who aren't your fans yet? What, what would you like to share about the Iron Mountain? Um, I mean, Iron Mountain. How it's similar to everything we've done in the past we, as Gunger. When, when we turned to Gunger, it was really... Because uh, I, you know, I started as a worship leader and then I started uh, leading worship at other things and then a little group of musicians started to evolve where we, because we'd get hired to play things and we would you know, start playing together and they would introduce us as Michael Gunger and his fill-in-the-blank praise band praise and I was like no that's so lame just say Michael Gunger band or something you know like um, <laughs> which is not cool either um, but but it was better <laughs> Michael Gunger and his praise minstrel team um, and and then we kind of uh, I, had, I had seen that I I had grown up in a way that I thought that if I wanted my music to glorify God, if I wanted it to be good and holy, that it it needed to fit into kind of this box, this kind of pr- praise and worship, church music, Christian music, whatever you want to call it. That's what it was supposed to be. And I had always, as a worship leader, that's how I grew up learning music, was I had used music to kind of serve the church and... That's always what my primarily musical expression, or at least writing-wise, was always like our youth group needed a song to sing about this. Or the, and I always had used uh, music to serve something else. And that's, that's a good thing. But I had found that I, in that process, had started becoming a little bit of a chameleon. Um, you know, with the Michael Gunger Band gigs, we'd, if, we would, if we would play like a youth group event, we would play rock and roll and like turn up the amplifiers and you know um and then we'd find ourselves sometimes like in an old baptist church with a bunch of gray hair and we'd be like okay we'll turn off the amps let's do some hymns um and it was just that was as a worship leader i had learned to just kind of serve whoever was in the room like that and it's as a worship leader i think that's a good thing to have because that's your job um but i had found in that that i had there was a lot of me that I was ignoring. There was a lot of um, artistic expression that I had not even... There was no room for it within a church expression, necessarily. Um, but So anyway, I had been... What I had been growing in my personal faith at the time, um, you know, and believing that 
that all of life can be sacred. And I would, I would extend that even as a worship leader to the congregation, you know, like you don't have to just worship in here. You can worship with your job. You can worship with, but I hadn't yet extended that courtesy to me and my job that any kind of music that I want to make could be sacred. That any, so Gunger started with, it was a shift to like, let's, we need, it was so, so significant to me that we needed, I felt like we needed a name change. Like, we're going to start from scratch, not trying to make music for anybody. If nobody likes it, I, I'm okay with that, actually. Because we had found part of the, the problem is when you, when you just make your art for the approval, and not even, you don't even think it's for the approval, for the benefit of somebody else. Um, and I read an, an article by Dorothy Sayers that said this really quite beautifully, that like, if, you, if you think you can serve the people with the work directly, you're mistaken because what happens then is is there there develops this un, unnatural and unhealthy relationship where now you need the audience to like it. You need this group of people that you're making it for to have to have some sort of value in it, and now it's this kind of weird codependent relationship with this group of people um, that if you they don't like it, so. She said, "You can't serve the people directly with the work. What you can do is be part of the people." and serve the work entirely. And then maybe the work can, maybe the people can find value in the work. Um, and so that really is what happened when we changed to, to Beautiful Things to me is I, I began to uh, stop caring about whether the church could sing it, whether the Christian radio would play it, whether I st we just went to a, a mountain house in Colorado, set up a makeshift studio and just, made music that felt right to make. Um, and interestingly and ironically enough, us stopping trying to make anybody like it, more people started liking it. Um, and so that's what, that we've done three albums as Gunger now, and that's how I Am Mountain is the same. So it's a very <laughs> roundabout answer getting there. But um, So that's how it's the same, but listening to it, it's obviously different as well it's um it's not as directly it's not liturgical you know most of the, our past two albums had more elements that were still because that's where we had come out of meant for church singing um more some more on beautiful things a little less on ghost upon the earth but uh not really at all on i mountain um but to me that doesn't make things less sacred um we had talked about big ideas in the past, like, you know, sing about redemption, for instance. But to me, where that would be more like, we, we would sing about heavenly things. Uh, I Am Mountain is kind of, what, what is redemption if it doesn't ever come down to how I interact with my wife and how I live my life with my friends and my, you know, like, so it's more, I Mountain is more earthy to me. It's more um, about life. And musically, it's different too. Uh, uh, you know, we're playing with new instruments and new new ideas and new new toys. And uh, yeah, it's kind of a long answer. Do you have anything to add to, <laughs> to that? Sorry. It's a great I think, answer. I think you covered it. I'm pretty sure. There's also a whip in the new album, so that makes it kind of different than the others, because there's a whip. Wow. 
Yeah. Okay. Uh, what we... Um, <laughs> That was actually beautiful. Thank you for that. I've seen it in some articles and tweets. You know, it's tough in just 144 things how you can articulate <laughs> where you are in your journey and your theological understanding. But that was beautiful. So thank you. That was, that was one. Thank you for being who you are. Um, what I've appreciated about you, and I need to confess, I knew beautiful things. And a couple years ago, members of the gospel choir harassed me for about a year. Uh, we need to bring Gunger to campus. And it, it just didn't work out in timing. And, and uh, then it worked out here. So I started uh, in the summer to listen to more of your music. And what I really appreciated is um, more than other Christian music, I think, I think you have a theological understanding that is so desperately needed, uh, not only within the church, but even outside the church, our, our, our theological understanding, our faith proclaimed in different ways. Much, and so the, what you're doing, I think, is wonderful. Will there still be albums in the future specifically for the church, or are you thinking that, you know, what are your plans in that way? Yeah, I think so. We, we started a, a project, because um, we have a bunch of church music that that we both like that we haven't, uh, released yet so I don't know if it will be under Gunger or we're thinking about doing like a another uh, project under something called the liturgists with some of our friends where it's very specifically liturgical because Gunger when, even when we did some liturgical material it was always a little bit still it was still kind of rooted in art like it was still our art expression where there is something about liturgical space that I feel like the it's a huge mistake <laughs> in the modern church of how how uh, stage centric it becomes uh, how a person on a stage becomes the center of it. I mean even if you look at Christian radio and Christian culture you have these it's so weird to me how the work doesn't hardly matter most of the time within Christian culture. It's about this person. So like a Christian artist can get far more traction on Christian radio if they have an interesting story to tell about themselves, something about their testimony. And you talk to these, and it's always about, oh, this person has this great story, this great testimony, this, wait, well, that's cool if I want to be that person's friend or something, but I don't understand why I should like their work because they have a cool story. Like, Give me some good work, like, um, and and so I, I think that's a shame. I feel like uh, Lisa wrote a song years ago called "Shiny Buildings." We were in Europe, and and uh, she had noticed that the cathedrals were all meant to like draw our eyes away from our like selves. Or it wasn't the priest on some huge stage, and everybody would look. It was like the artwork and the stained glass, and everything was meant to like transcend us not and the, and the priest like the where they build the actual like stage for the priest is set off to the center um i studied some architecture in school and yeah everything about the cathedrals is meant to draw your your eyes upward to the heavens to the to, to glory to something totally other than ourselves everything everything about it was so purposed and so purposeful it just to not point at us at all so yeah, and so, and but a lot of the churches we would spend time in, it was get bigger and bigger jumbotrons with our faces yeah. plastered on it on the stage, and bigger sound systems to throw our voice out into, then make give us a television show that can make us bigger. Like it's just just so opposite, so weird. Um, so anyway, this project that we want to, we would like to, if it's a Gunger thing or if it's liturgists or whatever, we would like to be a little bit more idealistic with it and really make it purposefully. Like, if it's the liturgist, we're not going to put anybody's name 
you'll never see anybody's name on anything. Um, you're not going to see any screen with our faces on. We'd like to do like shadows for the most part if we can do it and, and kind of form a liturgy um, with poetry and with communion, with whatever. I don't know. We're, we're experimenting and talking it through, but uh, really become more idealistic with that side of things. Still make it artful, but it's not about the artist. It's about the work. That's what liturgy means, the work of the people. You know that. Excellent, excellent. Again, that's why we love your work. That's awesome. One last question. Uh, uh, tell us about your love for the church, the local church. Did a little research on the website and saw a church you go to and then looked at that website, and now I sound like a creeper, I realize, actually, as I say that. Um, <laughs> but it's important to me for those that stand before us or sit before us and chat uh, uh, to be people that love the church. I love the body of Christ. Tell us about maybe whether you want to talk about a little about your local church or what you would say to these uh, young people about, about being part of the body of Christ. Well, um, so we moved to Denver, Colorado six years ago. It's been about six. And um, so, yeah, like, my, like Michael said, we, so we were a part of a, a big mega church and just for ourselves felt like we were getting caught up in this other thing, you know, that... Um, church for us was becoming something that it shouldn't be. So we decided that we were going to move to Denver, Colorado. And, um, and, we, and we had a lot of grand ideals of like, oh, we're going to do it right, you know. <laughs> Everybody else is doing it wrong. We're going to do it right. We're going to love the poor. We're going to invite the homeless to our house. And just all these, you know, uh, loving people can be a very romantic idea until you do it. <laughs> it's really hard. But we, so we moved to Denver, Colorado, and... Um, started well for a while we just got to know people in denver and um just intentionally decided we we weren't we were going to try to kind of forget everything that we knew about church like uh try to just rediscover what it means uh, to be a follower of jesus so we started a after a while we started this little gathering in our living room uh, after a couple months one of my best friends moved to denver and we started gathering and then other people just started coming, and it got too big for our living room. So we started, like, a public uh, Sunday night thing, and it's called Bloom. And one thing that's, that I love is that we were kind of rediscovering the wheel, you know, and realizing a lot of gaining respect for the people that we'd worked for and a lot of the things that we had kind of rejected and thought, you know, was ridiculous or just how people did things, uh, realizing that, Maybe our egos were a little too big, you know. Um, so we, uh, I feel like a lot of things in us got kind of crushed along the way, <laughs> you know, just these, we're going to do this, and you could start out with this grand idea and this thing, we're going to change the world, and we're going to do this, this massive thing. And one quote I love is Mother Teresa. She says, we don't, we don't do great things. We do small things with great love. And I, for myself, I feel like that's something that has helped me along the way um, in our journey with Bloom and with Denver. Because where we had, where we had come from, it was kind of like if you're doing something important, it's going to blow up right away and everyone's going to be so excited about it. And when no one's really excited about what you're doing, <laughs> it kind of sucks. <laughs> so we... Uh, the, but the journey that Bloom was on, I love it so, so much um, where, where we're at. The journey that, that uh, where we've come from, the journey that we've had, and where we're at now. Um, because it's a very pure thing. 
I can go there and I feel like it's, um, it's unsullied. Uh, things have been very intentional to not, it's easy to go towards the glittery, towards the bigger, towards the nicer and nice everything, you know, nice TVs, nice screens, nice cameras, getting on TV, everything's great. I mean, our sound system is awful, which is not a good thing, but it's just, you can, the things that Bloom has spent its money on, um, everyone has been very intentional about it. And like everybody that goes to Bloom knows where the money is going. Um, uh, there's, there's, there's just this, the thing that I think the thing that I love best about, uh, our community and that I think is beautiful or can be very beautiful about the church is that we can all come together. And even if we don't all believe the same things, we can all have different ideas about our theology and doctrine and we don't all land on the exact same thing. But there is this feeling of acceptance and unity that is so beautiful and is so important, I think, uh, in this day and age uh, to feel like you belong because you are a child of God. And that's it. You don't have to adhere to all of these things. And we've seen so many people at Bloom, their, their lives, I mean, that's that's where the transformation happens. That's where these people's lives have been truly transformed because uh, there's been so many people burdened by the church or feeling like they have to have this all in line before they can come. And so it's just, it's, it's, um, it's really grounding for me when you're out on the road and you're traveling all the time and um, we, we love what we do. This it's really wonderful, but you can start feeling very disconnected. Uh, even now, I mean, we've been away for two weeks and, you know, even your best friends, you start feeling kind of the schasm. And, and for me, even when I go back, it's just, it doesn't, what's being sung and what's being said matters, but there's this transcendence of just being with people of faith. Uh, I, I, I mean, it's hard to explain. Kind of, it, there, it has this, I have this grounding feeling of this breath out and breath in of, okay, there's hope here and there's hope being infused into my life in some way that I can't really explain, you know. Um, so that's great. That's beautiful. So as I as I think of that story, the three of us have a lot in common. One, we're three artists, very highly gifted artists and talented. <laughs> Uh, but as I hear you, so, uh, and I've shared with the community, so my wife and I, we started a church on Long Island and with the same ideals at the beginning and pastored for eight years. And when people ask about it, you know, I say, well, the first five years I was getting my behind kicked, period. And because, you know, you have these goals. I wanted to be at 500 in five years, and we were about 440 people shy of that at the five-year mark. And, uh, um, but I also describe those five years as the most redemptive years. Um, there's something about uh, that humbling process that you realize it's really not, well, that's me speaking, not about us. It's all about what Christ does to his church. So that was beautiful. So thank you. Um, well, we're going to, uh, we want to pray for you in a moment. They have agreed to stick around for a few moments to get photos. No autographs, please. Uh, they have a very long day. Uh, Sarah Good will take the photos. They'll just stand down here as they talk about not wanting to be the center of attention. They're going to stand in the middle of the sanctuary here momentarily. <laughs> They have a long day, so if you want to get a photo of them, uh, that, that, would be, that would be okay. Um, but again, keep in mind they have a long day. Let us not be the Creeper Campus today, people. Don't stalk them. Uh, leave, give them some space. <laughs>
but I think I just want to conclude with saying thank you, um, not just for this time. Um, so at the beginning of the school year, we lost a student suddenly and unexpectedly, and it was a really uh, tough year to start, a tough way to start the school year. And at her memorial service, just at the last, I was just offering a few, her friends were really the beautiful voice of, of that service. Uh, but at the end, as I was trying to articulate what to say, and I knew at the end I'd draw it back, to, you know, even in death, we are appointed to Christ, you know, and that's how we concluded. But I led into that uh, uh, with your song, and I didn't tell anyone I was quoting you because I didn't want them to think I was selling tickets. But uh, your song, This Is Not the End, was uh, appropriate and beautiful for us in a time that was needed. And so I want to thank you for that type of work that you do. I want to thank you for Iron Mountain. It's going to be a great concert. Uh, we're going to have a, a great, uh, great time together. So, but let me pray for you this morning. Heavenly Father, thank you for the many gifts that you give us. Thank you for the gift of another day. May we now be faithful with this day that you've given us. I pray your blessing upon the Gungers and all those traveling with them and their little girl. We pray for your hand of protection upon them. We pray your blessing upon Bloom, and may that church be all that you want it to be, we pray. Thank you for the faithfulness they have had and the good stewards they have been of the gifts you have given them. And I just pray you bless, anoint, and may their future be greater than their past for your glory and your honor. And Lord, as we close in this prayer, we close as we often do this semester by singing together. Praise.